name's Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here. I'm really glad that you're here this morning. And you're stepping into church here on week two of a series that we started called Heads Up. And what we're referring to is that if you wander around the community, you might see a scene a little bit like this one, where everyone's head is down. And uh, I know that too often that's me. Maybe that's you too. Um, I've even heard, you know, we, we all know that there's a lot of danger and illegality associated with texting while driving. Uh, but some people say you should probably be careful texting while walking because that's a little bit dangerous too. Uh, you can get a pile up pretty quickly. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed in my life and in the life of our church community is that uh, the change of technology and the pace at which technology is becoming a part of our lives and our every moment does have an impact on our faith. It has an impact on how we relate to, to one another. It also, as we'll talk about a little bit later today, has an impact on how we relate to God. And I think it's important that we pause and we think that through. Uh, Fifteen years ago, we didn't all have smartphones in our pockets. Now we do. What does that mean? How does that change things? And then if you were to even go back a little further and say not, not that long ago, maybe two generations ago, not everyone even had a television in their living room. And that, of course, has changed society as well. There are pros and cons to these things, right? And so in the course of the series, we'll talk about both. Uh, the pros, in the sense, the opportunity, the, the learning, the connection. There's all sorts of neat things that are, that are possible now that have never been possible in history because we all have the world at our fingertips. But there's also some danger, some danger that we would miss some really important things about life um, if we kind of get swept up in the tide and go the way that might be the path of least resistance the way everyone else is going. So this series is an attempt to sort of pause and say, wait, before we all just keep doing what everybody else is doing, should we have some sort of a biblical understanding of how technology impacts our lives and how we should best utilize it? All right, now here's a striking image that I think is pretty amazing. Um, this is taken from the same place um, in the Vatican City when there was a pope installed for the, for the Catholic Church in 2005. A photographer took a picture of the crowd. Okay, in 2007, the iPhone was released and then a bunch of other phones that kind of copied that. And now in 2013, when the next pope was introduced, the same picture was taken, but you can see the difference. Um, suddenly, if you look at the top picture, everyone there was experiencing that moment for what it was, like they were there looking at the thing happen. In the bottom picture, everyone is looking at their screen, which is looking at the thing happen. And, and you've probably noticed this dynamic in weddings as well. Like, here comes the bride, the doors open, and what happens? Like, there's a whole bunch of phones up in the air, and sometimes I've even seen, like, in the, they'll, they'll get up before a wedding, and they'll say, like, there's a rule. Nobody's allowed to do any photography other than the photographer, because it becomes so distracting to see screens everywhere, literally blocking the view of the actual event because we're so tied up in trying to record it or trying to experience it like through our device, which seems really silly, um, but it's an evidence of how much things have changed. And the fact that this change isn't limited to just a handful of people, the early adopters of technology, this is everybody. Um, everybody has televisions through, in their life, uh, at, the, at their house, in their workplace, in everybody has screens in their pocket and iPads at their school. And I mean, it's, it's all over. So, again, we're not necessarily saying that that's all bad. It's just a question of saying if, if the world has changed this much this quickly, 
we should probably pause and just figure out what should our kind of guiding principles be. If you think of this world and kind of the things that we pursue through technology, getting things instantly, getting exactly what we want, being constantly entertained, and you were to sort of play that out into the future, what might the world look like? So a few years ago, a children's movie took a stab at what that might look like, that future. And in this movie, the robot in the movie actually sort of has more human emotion than the humans do. All right, check this out. To the driving range, hit a few virtual balls in space. Yeah, we did that yesterday. I don't want to do that. Well, then what do you want to do? I don't know. Something. Wow. Make a place breathe. No, it doesn't sound Look, I'm tired of it. So we'll try to explain it all over If you can't fold the straw, it's not yet to sign any good. Right, so how far away from that are we? Edging a little closer, right? I mean, it's not actually that far off that you will sort of like snap your fingers or touch a button and a, a drone will bring you what you want right then. And, and if you think of the trajectory of where the technologies that we're all excited about end up, that's actually not that wrong of a picture of the story that we're heading into. And what I think is so striking is how how aimless it all really would feel. Like, wouldn't that be fun to be a part of for like a day? And then you'd kind of look around and go, there's no purpose to this life. Uh, there, just being a consumer of food and media doesn't give you a reason to keep existing. And, and really the things that make us human, the things that are the most important, are totally outside of the picture that we just saw. So here's our sort of our orienting verse for this series. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And last week, we introduced a few different principles. And Pastor Dell and I were up here and kind of giving a little bit of uh, sort of a summary of what we were heading into with this Heads Up series. And here, here is sort of the overarching principle from 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, the Corinthian church out there saying, like, we're allowed to do the things we want. And Paul kind of saying, hold on a second, what you're allowed to do is actually not the right question to be asking. Uh, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though, quote, I'm allowed to do anything, I will not become a slave to anything. Later in chapter 6, Paul goes on, he says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Look at every aspect of who you are was designed for God. And so it's not like we can kind of segment our lives and say, well, when I'm at work, I'm kind of doing my own thing. And when I'm taking a break and being entertained, I'm doing my own thing. And then I'll give some time to God over here. No, everything you are, your very self is owned by God. And so it would, it would, we should be asking the questions of not what are we allowed to do, but rather what would actually be the thing that honors God. Here's kind of a set of four questions that we offered you last week. Instead of saying, am I allowed to do this? Am I, am I allowed to watch YouTube? Yes. Or am I allowed to have Netflix? Yes. Am I allowed to have cable news? Yes. Am I allowed to download the Facebook app? Yes. But the question is not always, am I allowed to do something? The question would be, the way I'm using whatever it is, is it best? 
Is it something that could bind me? In 1 Corinthians 10, there's another question kind of added to this. Uh, Is it constructive or does this build something somehow? 1031, does this bring glory to God? And so really, not just media, but any activity that we pursue, we could, we could run it through that little grid, couldn't we? And say, you know, as a Christian, it's not just what can I get away with. That's the wrong way to think about life. It's what's actually the best. Like, what did God make me for? And wait, I don't want to be a slave to anything. So even if I could do it, it doesn't mean I should do it or I have to do it. Uh, is this something that will build up? Is this something that will really bring glory to God? Or is it something that even though I'm allowed to do it, I should set aside or limit severely in my life so that I go on and do the things that matter a lot more. All right, and then a few aims that we're shooting at in this series is to reclaim and renew our minds, just sensing, as maybe some of you do, that, that even though we are allowed to have these technologies around us, they're not always being used in a healthy way, and maybe even we could say a majority of people are going down an unhealthy road with the amount of screen time and the amount of digital interaction versus actual interaction that they have. Um, Explore God's word regarding purpose, purity, productivity, and relationships. So over the next few weeks, that's what you'll hear Pastor Dell and I both sort of um, talking through and working through to say, what does God's word say about these things, particularly when it comes to how we wisely use technology into them? And how do we enjoy all this without becoming slaves? And then number four is how do we really enter into an abundant life? What's crazy is that if you were to just freeze frame the imagination of our world right now and how we're pursuing abundant life, I think we would end up in that Wally video, don't you? I mean, that's kind of what abundant, happy life is put out to be. It's like you're getting everything you want with no limitations. There's no work to do. You just get to be entertained all the time. And a lot of us are actually working because that's kind of what we hope our life will end up as. And yet when you see it portrayed in a silly format like that, you're like, wait a minute, God made me for a lot more than just that. So today we're going to look at the first sort of piece of this puzzle, and that is how we can start paying attention to God. Because I think that as we've lost our sense of corporate attention span in media, we've also forfeited a lot about what it means to live our purpose and actually have God at the center of our lives like we sang about earlier. So we could look at it this way. The purpose of our lives are the great commandments. That's to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's why you're here. That's what you will always do for all of eternity. That's what we're made for. We're made for relationships. That's an exciting purpose. Our mission then is to go ahead and extend that purpose to other people. That's the great commission, to go and make disciples, to invite other people into the life Jesus has made possible, and we say that's, that's what it's all about. Our purpose and our mission are so clear. And yet, if I was looking at those two things and saying, where personally am I in danger of missing it, I would say it's in this. The greatest danger of a media-heavy lifestyle is that you could unknowingly be forfeiting God's purpose for your life. With each click, with each scroll, with each surf of the channels, little by little, the life that God gave you is ebbing away. And if it's thoughtless, if it's pointless, and you're doing that more and more and more, what you could wake up one day and realize is that years have gone by and you really have never accomplished the purpose of your life. You still aren't really 
loving God and loving other people. And in fact, maybe some of those digital experiences are taking you further away from that rather than closer. So you could zoom in on that greatest commandment and say, here's what Jesus actually said. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Everything that makes you who you are is supposed to be saying, I love God first. And I would just say to you from my own life, the greatest threat to that happening for me is probably the one that's in my pocket most of the time. It's not here right now. That's on purpose. Um, but it's the, it's the phone that I carry. It's the TV in my living room. It's the, it's the computer that I carry around for work that, um, that even though I need, and I mean, those are all helpful tools, um, can easily take my focus, my attention off of God for far too long. So how do we fix that? What do we do? Uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about seeking and loving God and then share with you, I think, maybe a little bit of an antidote to the, to the challenge that we're facing here, all right? So in Psalm 27, the psalmist is, is being pressured by his enemies. And so he's talking about how they're surrounding him, and it's like the ultimate stressed-out situation. And so rather than in a stressed-out situation like buying a half a gallon of chocolate ice cream and turning Netflix on and saying, I just need to unplug from the world, which is really ironic that we, we plug in to unplug. But, you know, if you really want to unplug, like go out in the forest or something. But, but anyway, we say, I'm unplugging. I, I'm not available. And so then we just turn on media and we kind of let ourselves zone out. That's, that's how we think we can handle stress or get ourselves back together. The psalmist here went the opposite direction. When he was stressed, it says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. So when, when he was feeling the pressure, his answer wasn't to withdraw from important things. His answer was to move closer to them. His, his, his answer was to say, I need to get closer to God. In fact, that's what I really wish. It's, it's, my, it's my only wish. I just wish I could be with God. And I'm afraid that the cheap substitute for God that sometimes can be the media in our hands can take us out of this mindset and into one that really doesn't matter at all. So here's my media temptation. Kind of frame this as a question. Am I putting off things that matter to make time for things that don't. Hold that in your mind and turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes is right in the middle of the Bible, right after Psalms and Proverbs. And it was written by someone who was, who was very intentionally trying everything the world had to offer to see if he could be fulfilled by it, to see what would really matter in life. And so he goes through, and the whole book of Ecclesiastes is interesting to read because he goes through good and bad things and tries everything. So he says, I tried education. Like I wanted to gain all the wisdom and smarts that I could. And at the end of it, he says, you know what? It still feels empty and meaningless. And so then I built great houses and made amazing gardens. And in the end, it was all meaningless too. And I had the ultimate pleasures that anyone could ever imagine. I had servants doing my will, ah, but it all was meaningless. Oh, I was married. Oh, that was meaningless too. He tried alcohol. He tried hard work. He tried everything, good and bad. And at the end of it, he kept saying, like, none of this adds up. As long as my head is down, looking at the things of this world, none of it has purpose, whether it's good or bad. And he even goes far as to say, it doesn't even matter if people do good or bad. Like if your head is down 
and you're just looking at this world, like whether people are good or bad, they all end up in the grave. So what's the difference? Well, heads up, he says. You have to look up at something beyond this world for any of this to make sense. Chapter 12, he gives us the answer. Verse 1, he says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. That is, when you realize that God is a part of the equation for your life, suddenly all of that stuff starts to make sense. And and all the things in this life aren't meaningless if there's an eternal aim in mind. But as long as our heads are down, if we really stop and think about it, our lives aren't that different than that scene we just saw from the future. We're just scurrying around and doing things that really won't matter at all unless there's eternity at the end of the story. So he says, remember your creator while you're still young. Honor him in, the youth, in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and your phone is dim to your old eyes. And the rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Some of you are like, wait, this is like my testimony he's reading here. I I know this is the way of all things, right? And so maybe you're already a little further down this chain and you're going, yeah, I see this. Like I see that life is fleeting and, and days pass by and we can't let them be wasted and we can't just look down. I think he must have been a senior citizen when he was reading this because it gets, it gets, he goes further, right? Some of these things are amazing. He says, remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him become, before you become fearful of falling and worry about the danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom before you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. Wow. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you are near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. If everything in your life is looking down, if it's all just about the next moment, the next little bit of fun, the next little bit of dopamine in your brain, in the end, you'll end up in a place where you'll miss, you'll forfeit the purpose of your life. And the young life will turn to the old life And you'll look back and go, where did it all go? What did I even do with all of that time? Why did I waste so much of what God gave me? Verse 8. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Now, if, if you heard this teacher, this might be the place where you kind of check out. You're like, I don't know if this guy is quite... Like, this isn't the teaching I want to hear. This isn't, um, I don't think he's right. There's got to be more. And so it's almost like the narrator here in the story pauses and says, now hold on a second, this is legit. He says, keep this in mind, the teacher was considered wise. So this isn't like a crazy guy ranting somewhere. He taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. 
the teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. And what were those words? Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's pretty clear. So here you have like a real teacher who does know what he's talking about telling you that nothing in this world will ever satisfy you. Nothing will ever add up. Unless there's a little bit more to the story. Unless you can look up. Verse 12. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for the writing of books is endless and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here and now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And right there, at the end of the teacher, or at the end of everything the teacher had to say, we find evidence that life has a real purpose. That it's not just what's happening under the sun that counts. It's actually what happens beyond the realm that we're in right now. It ha- it's, it's what happens when we have a relationship with our Creator that spans into eternity. And as He looks at our lives, we start to find purpose. So, is it possible that our media-heavy lifestyles take us off track from remembering our Creator when we're young or when we're old? Here's another verse from Psalm 27. Remember, stressed out psalmist there. He's, you get, the enemies are surrounding him, and he's saying, I just want to seek God. That's really, what I, that's really what I care about. And then there's this dialogue inside of his heart. And I wonder if you've ever had this dialogue. He says, my heart has heard you, God, say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. I think God does invite all of us to get really personal with him to converse with him, to have an interactive relationship with him. And you could imagine God like prompting the hearts of his children, like, come and seek me, come and let's talk. Like, let's, let's love, let's, let's, let's live this purpose. This is what I created you for. Come close to me. And yet when God looks down from heaven, what might he see? His children distracted. It's not just the phones that distract us. We know that. That's just the latest and greatest distraction that a lot of us face. But it could be that as Christians, even though we know that we should be attentive to God, we let moments slip by, which turn into days, which turn into months, and we could wake up one day and go, you know, I really don't have a relationship with God. It really is just here at church that I even think about any of this because I'm so filled with other stuff that doesn't matter as much. So, is my media distracting me from having a vibrant, attentive relationship with God? Last week when Del and I were setting up this series together, we talked about how one of the things that make us human, like one of the most important things God ever gave you was your mind, right? I mean, it's... Like the fact that you're self-conscious and that you can think and love and choose, that's what makes it so that you're not just a robot or a rock or a tree or something. Like there's something more to you. You have a spirit. You have life. And yet how easy it is for us to take that conscious mind and sort of set it out there for sale. To keep watching whatever channel will keep us entertained and 
whatever advertisers will pay for that or to keep scrolling and somebody's making money off of us do that and or to keep playing the video game over and over again and trying to upgrade to the next level and we we just we just let all of it go for such a worthless end like the teacher says meaningless everything's meaningless unless god is at the center unless it goes on into eternity Here's what Thomas Merton said. Just remaining quietly in the presence of God, listening to him, being attentive to him, takes a lot of courage and know-how. It's an interesting testimony about the way the world's going to say that it actually takes courage and know-how to not be talking, not be watching, not be listening, to just be able to pause and think about God. That's a pretty big deal, and most people have no clue how to do that. Isn't that kind of amazing to you? Because we're so conditioned for instant fun, instant gratification, that, that just the tiniest amount of mental discipline actually feels like work to us. It feels like, wow, I'd have to be an expert to actually meditate on something. I'd have to like, go through training and detox from media just to be able to focus on something that's not digital. Now, some of you would say, well, I don't think I'm quite, it's not quite that bad. Say, increasingly in our culture, um, I think that's the story. It's the prevailing wind. And, and over the next few weeks, we'll, we'll walk through what some of the research shows about where things are going in this regard. But even before we look at that, I think, it, I think we could all look at our own lives and, and just evaluate uh, to what degree we would have to agree with Thomas Merton here and saying, you know, being attentive to God is actually kind of a difficult challenge. So each week, uh, we're going to practice what we're preaching here, and we're inviting all of you to be a part of these practices. Today, uh, we want to launch a little practice of how we could actually be attentive to God. And here it is, to spend five minutes each day in a media-free, silent attention to God. You say, oh, no, that's not that hard. Well, just, just think this through for a second. How often do you have five minutes with zero media? No background music, no screen, nothing going on around you, no commotion. Just attention to God. I think we would all learn something from this practice. Something we might not realize about ourselves, that we were created for a lot more than to be a consumer we're created to have a relationship. So a, a little bit, of kind of breaking this down a little bit, like how would we do our five minutes of real silence with God? Um, first of all, I would recommend set a timer so that you don't have to worry about what time it is. Uh, here's what happens at my house when I'll say to my kids, I'll say like, guys, I want you to all go, you know, to your room and play for 30 minutes. If there's not a clock in their room, what do you think happens? Six and a half minutes go by, and somebody comes up and says, what time is it? Like, how much longer? Because there's, the attention all focuses on the clock and how much time is left instead of just focusing on the actual object at hand. So I know we would all do that. I would do that. So a way to conquer that is set a timer on your phone, on your microwave, wherever you've got a timer. Set a timer to beep so you know, like, I'm setting aside this time, and this is going to be for God. Now, what will happen as soon as you start? Set your phone down, face down somewhere. Maybe it's even another room. 
In minute number one, you're going to hear something. What will that be? <laughs> now, and every, every fiber in your being is going to say, like, what if, what if I need to go get that? What if it's work? What if it's an emergency? No, Lord, in four and a half minutes, I'll find out. Because this moment is really for you. Close your eyes so that you can be alone with God. You say, oh, this is tougher than I expected. This isn't just go out and look at the birds for five minutes. You could do that. I would encourage that one too. This is actually close your eyes because when you close your eyes, who are you with? It's just you and it's just God. And so if you could close your eyes for five minutes, I think you would discover that five minutes can feel like a really long time when there's not constant entertainment happening around you. You say, I know the perfect loophole. I'll just do this on my way to sleep every night. No, no, you, just have to, you actually have to replace something you would normally, like when you would normally be awake is when you're supposed to do this, okay? So, so you say, well, here's, here's how you could fill your mind. Lord, what do you want to say to me? So your eyes are closed. You know, you've got a couple minutes here to really think. Like, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me? Then second question or statement you might be able to fill in is, Lord, I love you because... And in those five minutes, you'll find a connection with God that you'll not find reading or listening to music. Or There's a lot of other good things you can do. I would even submit that you'll probably learn some things about God in those five minutes that you'll never learn here at church or that you won't learn from the radio, you won't learn from a great Christian book, that you can only learn from being in his presence and from having your attention on him instead of on a lot of other things. So this isn't a five minutes for multitasking. This is a five minutes where you say, I have one desire in my heart, one thing I seek. Lord, I want to be with you. And then each day, make a note of the thing that you learn after those five silent minutes with God. It's possible that next week, next Sunday, you'll have six or seven things that you've learned that you never noticed before about yourself or about God or about something he wants you to do because you paid attention. And what's crazy about this is this is available to us all the time, right? I mean, you could always do this. But I think setting aside five minutes a day to practice uh, not only is a helpful actual unplug from the world around us, but it's, it's a helpful step forward in our relationship with God. So here's one more psalm kind of to close us out today. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. All that I am, everything I am, all of my strength, all of my mind, all of my soul, all of my heart, all of it can rest before God, can be silent before God. Maybe this practice will be a helpful step forward for you on your journey with God, not just as an end in itself, but really to get back on track with the purpose of life before the silver cord snaps and the golden bowl is broken and we're all dust again, that we remember our creator. And especially to those of you who are younger in the, in the room. I mean, it, certainly if, if you're older and you say, my silver cord is about to snap, well, like, make your last few minutes count. I mean, don't, don't waste it now. But, but think of this. If you're younger, you have an opportunity. You, you might have years ahead of you, 20 years, 50 years, out in front of you, don't, don't let those get frittered away the way that your friends might be doing it or the way the world's going to encourage you to do it, the way the advertisers want you to do it. 
Instead, be ch- just choose right, right here as a younger person. I'm going to remember my creator. I'm not going to lose sight of my life's purpose. I won't find it in a video game. I won't find it at Netflix. I won't, I won't find it, you know, posting to Instagram. I'll find it as I, as I have an attentive relationship with God. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about how we pay attention to each other and how that also is, unlocks a piece of our purpose in life. Today, I want us to pray and just to ask for God's help. Uh, for some of us, may, maybe you're already in a great habit of, of discipline in your mind and you're focused on the Lord and we all need to learn from you. Praise the Lord for that. But maybe uh, you would look at this and say, I do need to pay more attention to God and I do need to unplug a little bit. And this week could be my start. So let's pray for God's help as you say that. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful that you've given us your word that no matter what happens around us, no matter how much things change now or in the future, that we have something to orient our decisions based on. We have some purpose in life that we can fulfill. And Lord, we know that that will not change, that you did make us to have a relationship with you and with others. And that's why we're here. Help us never to lose sight of that and certainly never to trade the meaning of all of that for a passing pleasure. Lord, thank you for the technology that's around us and the the opportunities that it presents. We look forward to talking about that later in the series, about the mission that we can accomplish through communication and, and learning and all the neat things that are possible. But here, Lord, at the outset, we, we really want to get this piece of it right, that these things would not enslave us, that these things would be used for your glory and not just our own uh, consumer desire. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your patience with us. And we will need your help, some of us, for these five minutes a day. Uh, We'll need your help and power to stay on track and to pay attention to you. Lord, would you interpret these first baby steps of attentiveness as our way of saying that we love you, as our way of seeking to fulfill that greatest commandment, that all that we are would be waiting for you, would be silent before you, Lord, thank you for your love toward us. In Jesus' name, amen.